awesome. So last week, we jumped in on why do we pray? What are the benefits of praying in tongues? So ever since Easter, we've been taking a look at who's the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's ministry, um, how He speaks to us, all of the things. So if, you haven't, if you've missed any of those... I want to encourage you, go back, you know, go back on the podcast or the live videos and check out the, the different teachings that we've done on who the Holy Spirit is in His ministry. But today we're going to pick back up. We only got through a few of the benefits of praying in the Spirit. Uh, last week, we're, we're going to pick back up on the benefits of praying in the Spirit. And so today, I want to pick back up on, well, first, if you have your Bibles, I just want to read it again from Acts chapter 2. Um, I know I read it last week, but I want to read it again this week from Acts chapter 2, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So today I want to jump in. Another benefit of praying in the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit praying in tongues brings the anointing. In Zechariah 4, 6, it says, not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. So as we pray in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit brings the dunamis, the power, the anointing of God onto the scene. Now, I just want to talk about the, the anointing or the, the Holy Spirit power for a reason, for a moment. Um, you know, a lot of times we talk about the Holy Spirit. We talk about Acts 1-8, that you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be my witnesses. But I want to, this, this power is given to us. The anointing comes for a purpose. Yeah. It's not just so that we can demonstrate signs and wonders. Signs and wonders, power is for a purpose. And that purpose is that you and I are equipped to be witnesses. So we have God's power, everything you and I need to get the job done in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God enables us to do the work of God. And there is a great work to be done. There's a great harvest of souls to be won. And the Spirit of God is the power at work in us to accomplish that thing. In Ephesians chapter 6, it tells us to stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, take up the helmet of salvation and what? The sword of the Spirit. So the sword of the Spirit says what? It is the word of God. So the power of the Holy Ghost is rooted in the word of God. We talked about that last week, that the essence of the Spirit's power is God's Word. And so the Word, the, the sword that the Spirit uses, the power of the Holy Spirit comes through the Word of God. So as you and I have the Word of God in our bellies, and, and it's burning, it's coming like a, you know, the picture of Jesus I love in Revelation. It's like a sword that came out of his mouth. The Word of God, a sword coming out of his mouth. It is the power of God at work in our lives. And so when you become a witness, when you're a witness, 
to something, you're what? You're testifying, you're telling a story or experience, and so your, your testimony is what? It's the Word of God, yeah. and you're speaking that Word, and it's yeah. cutting. The Bible says in Hebrews that it cuts to the marrow. The, it's living, it's active, it's sharper. So the Word of God is the power of God. The Spirit of God is operating in the Word I love it. So, so to expound on what Pastor's saying just a little bit is, you know, we all look at um, the, the sword of the Spirit as the Word of God in Scripture alone. But what it's talking about here is twofold. When you and I are praying in tongues, we're praying in the Holy Spirit, it's God's Spirit praying through us. It's God Himself praying through us. And so as we are praying in tongues, we are releasing the Word of God. And as we, we pray in tongues, and that, that's released. It's releasing the anointing over our lives. Our brains can't get in the way. You know, we, you know, we all have heard people take scripture out of context and you're like, what are you talking about? Please don't do that. You can't take tongues out of context because you don't know what it is. And so it is the sword of the spirit. It's not by power nor by might, but by his spirit. And so as we're praying in tongues, it's God praying his perfect um, perfect peace, perfect prayers, perfect will through our lives, and we are releasing that word of God. That's the power. That's the anointing that breaks the yoke. I want to. I want to keep going on this because this is really powerful, and we'll we'll let everybody else jump in here in a minute. <laughs> but um, the word that's used there in the Greek for the word of God, the the word that's used there is the word rhema. So it's the, it's the right now word, the word of the Holy Spirit, the revelation of the Spirit of God in that moment. There's two words that are used for the words. The logos word, which is the word that is used to describe Jesus and the written word, that the, the word, the logos, became flesh. And John 1, 1, that's referencing the, the written word of God becoming flesh, Jesus, the logos. And then the rhema word, and in, in here in Ephesians, is the expression, it's the revelation, revelation of this word in that moment. So as we pray in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives us the revelation of God and his word in that moment. So like Heather was saying, when we're praying in tongues, we're praying the perfect will of God. And many times as you're praying in the spirit, the Holy Spirit is giving you a revelation. You don't know what you're praying, but in, in your spirit's eye and in your spirit's mind, he's revealing God to you in that moment. You know, how many times have, have you found yourself praying in tongues and you don't know what you're saying, but at the same time as you're praying, Praying in the Spirit, God's revealing Himself to you in that moment. He's showing you something. He's revealing Himself. He's revealing truth in that moment. That, that's because when you pray in tongues, the anointing comes, and there's a revelation of the power of God, which at its essence is the Word of God. Yeah, like Pastor Heather was saying, we cannot get our minds out of the way. And in Romans 12, too, it talks about being transformed, renewing yeah, our yeah. minds. Um, you know, you can't be clouded when you're when you're praying in the Holy Spirit, <laughs> right, yeah, um, yeah. and that is the perfect will of God. You cannot, you can't be, you can't be clouded, and you can't be dysfunctional when you're praying in the Holy Spirit. I love that. You can't be dysfunctional <laughs> when you're praying in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> if you're dysfunctional, pray in the Spirit. 
<laughs> if you need to be kept out of dysfunction, pray in the Spirit. It's awesome. That's good, Krista. I love that. You know, let me just give you a practical example. If I were to give you, you know, go to your home, show up with a $100 bill and give everybody $100, and, I, you know, that would be a nice gift, right? And I'd tell you, you can't spend it. You got $100, but you can't do anything with it. So you can have, you can have power. You can have you can have a tangible substance to do something with, but if you don't have authority to yeah, right. use it, there's a problem. So when we have the power of God and we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, what, what begins to happen is we understand the authority we've been given. So you, you can have power but not understand authority. And so that's, there's a dilemma right there with, with a lot of believers. They've received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They pray in tongues. They have substance. They have power resident on the inside of them. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is on the inside of you. But if you don't understand the authority that you've been given with that power, you don't know how to activate and use the power in the way that it's intended. So you can have a $100 bill, but if you have no authority with it, you can't go spend it or invest it or use it in a way that's productive. Uh, it gets disconnected. It gets disjointed. So if you want to be used of God, you know, people say, well, you know, I want to see signs and wonders and miracles. I want to flow. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, matter of fact, Paul tells us that we ought to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. So, you know, there's no, there's no, uh, wrong in seeking and wanting to be used of God, that's, that's God stirring your heart. You know, the devil's not stirring your heart to be used of God, certainly. And, and your flesh is not telling you to be used of God. You know, your flesh may want to use it for vain reasons, but your flesh is not telling you, hey, be used of God. That is, that's the Spirit of God at work on the inside of you. And so it might be simple. It might be something small like, you know, I want to pray for the sick, or I want to see signs of wonder, or I want to pray in tongues or, you know, whatever the case is, give vent to that, yield to that, and begin to dive in and understand what it means to operate in the power with the authority of the believer that God's given to you. It's, it's an awesome thing. And praying, by the way, you know, we could unpack this for days. This is really awesome. Um, but praying in the Spirit, it will teach you how to do this. You know, um, you say, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, as you pray in the Spirit, it begins to, the Holy Spirit aligns you and teaches you what the, the authority is that you have in your life. Right. Yeah, I was, that's what I was going to talk about. You know, there, there's no striving in it. You know, when you're, when you're in the Spirit, when you're praying in the Spirit, He begins to align you and there's no more striving. So all the stuff that looks so big and hard because it's bigger than you and it should be, you know, God calls us to do even greater things. Yeah. Yeah. And that looks scary to our flesh. Yeah. But as we begin to pray in the Spirit, yeah. we, there's no striving because it's not us. It's all God and that yeah. power flowing through us. Yeah. So I love that. There's no striving. There's no striving. So I want to take a look at Isaiah 10, 27. Um, Pastor talked about knowing how to release the anointing, how to, re- how, to, how to use the power, how to allow the power to flow through us. And Isaiah 10, 27 says that it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away f- from off thy shoulder 
and his yoke from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. And you know, um, all believers, all people out there, there, there's, there's demonic entities in the world. There is depression. There is um, sickness. There's poverty. There's confusion. There's strife. There's stuff out there that, that entangles people, and um, we don't know what to do with it. But the anointing breaks the yoke. When God shows up on the scene, that has no room. You know, Scripture tells us that when, when the light comes, darkness has to flee. What better way than to have the light show up than begin to pray in the Holy Spirit? As we pray in the Holy Spirit, we, as we release Him through our mouths, it allows His presence. He comes in the room. And sickness has no room. Poverty no longer has a hold of us. You know, there's a poverty spirit that can be broken off of your life in one moment in Jesus by praying in the Holy Ghost, releasing the anointing of God in your life. And so we pray in tongues to release that anointing, to allow sickness and burden and depression. You know, Christian said it, the cloud goes. If you're having a cloud, if it's fuzzy, if it's confused, it goes in his presence. Pray in tongues. If you feel dysfunctional that you, yeah, I can see clearly now. The rain is gone. Why? Because I prayed in the Holy Ghost. Allow the anointing to come in your situation and break the yoke. You and I can't. Pastor read the scripture earlier, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. His spirit, his anointing breaks the yoke. I was thinking about uh, Miss Sue, you know, she was in the hospital. I love the story when she was in the hospital and, and the nurse came in the next morning and said, um, do you, you know, do you pray and or do you have a, an, another language that you speak? You know, do you speak another language? She's like, no, what are you talking about? She said, well, during your, you were sleeping and you were, you were talking in some other language while you were sleeping. And um, I would come in your room and your room just smelled so fresh, like there was fresh flowers in the room or something. And you were talking in this other language. And Miss Sue began to share with her about how, you know, that was the spirit of the Lord praying through her while, while she slept. Yeah. You know, and then the nurse was talking to her about how she was laughing in her sleep. You know, here she is in the hospital laughing in her sleep because of the Holy Spirit. You know, he just shows up. You know, the Holy Spirit, even when, when our flesh is weak, when our flesh, you know, doesn't, doesn't know how to pray, when our natural man is stuck, the Holy Spirit comes and he brings the anointing and ministers to us. We talked about last week about how he edifies us and he builds us up and he keeps us in the love of God. That's just another great example of that. You know, the, we, we touched on this a moment ago, but another benefit of praying in the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit opens up the door to us, that, that whole supernatural world of God. You know, in our natural mind, we get stuck in our natural mind and a natural way of thinking and a natural way of perceiving things. But when we pray in the Holy Spirit, it opens the door to the reality of the unseen. You know, there's an unseen world all around us right now. There's a there's a world that we cannot see. There's the world of God all around us. And, and it's active. The world of God is active. It's full. If you look and if you read scripture, you can see 
see the saints and the elders worshiping. You, you can see the prayers ascending and descending, the answers of God coming to earth by fire. You know, there's all of these things that are portrayed in Revelation that, you know, the, the spirit world, the God world is, is an active place. And, and there's signs and wonders and miracles and spiritual gifts and spiritual fruit and all of these things that the Holy Spirit makes us aware of. You know, our natural man doesn't perceive it. Our natural man looks at people in a natural way. We, we see a problem, someone says something to us, and we see a natural person there in front of us. We don't understand the, the spiritual things behind it. You know, we, we look at situations in the natural, and we don't see the spiritual elements behind it. But praying in the Spirit helps us understand the purposes of God, the plans of God, and the working of God in those things. I'm not talking about, you know, some people say, well, you know, the, the unseen world, and they get into this whole demonic thing, and it's all about spiritual warfare. You know, that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about praying in the Spirit helps us see what God's doing, helps us understand the plans and purposes of God in it, helps us see opportunities for the working of the spiritual gifts. You know, when we tune in you know, it's, it's just it's simple things. It's, it's really simple, like going to the grocery store and, and, you know, you could be pulling out your Cheerios or your Fruit Loops or whatever, and the person next to you, you see through spiritual eyes in that moment, and God helps you to see something you couldn't see in the natural. You see by, by way of the Spirit a word of knowledge or, or a, a word of wisdom for them or a prophetic word, and God gives you revelation concerning that person, and you just you share it with them. You minister to them. It's really that simple, uh, allowing God, but he, but he opens up. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10, John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. <laughs> I wonder what would happen if we lived more in the Spirit. If we would, would we start seeing more of the things like John saw? If we lived in the Spirit on, on every day, what that might look like in our lives. You know, just, just one day and one moment of time, John had the revelation that was written in the book of Revelation, the revelation of Christ that came. I wonder what would happen, what revelation of Christ we would have if we spent a day wow. in the Spirit. Wow. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Everybody's just saying, I was waiting for somebody to jump in, and I, I think it just, you know, just settled. One of those moments, it was just, it was a settling moment. Sometimes we just need a settling moment. Think about what happened in, in the New Testament church. I want you to think about it, what happened on the day of Pentecost. They went from being, you know, in the upper room, hiding out. You know, they were just hiding out, waiting, waiting for something. They weren't even sure what they were waiting for other than the promise of the Father. They didn't know what was coming. They didn't know that the tongues of fire were coming. They didn't know that the wind was coming. They didn't know that they were going to look like a bunch of drunken fools. I would imagine that if you told everybody that they were going to look like a bunch of drunks with fire on their head, praying in the Spirit, that they probably wouldn't have stayed in the upper room. They already had a hard enough time waiting. You know, they started off with 500 and ended up with 120. They had a hard enough time just waiting. But then you add in all of those other details. You know, we, we get distracted sometimes. Can I just say this? Sometimes we get distracted by the peripherals. Sometimes we get distracted by how God shows up, and we miss the fact that He showed up. Right. Sometimes we get stuck in the mechanism, 
when God's just showing up. Sometimes we, we expect God to do something one way. Sometimes we want God to, to come as the conquering king. We want him to ride in on a chariot of fire, and he instead chooses a donkey. Sometimes we, we want him to speak in, in, in the, the thunders of heaven, and he chooses a small child. You know, we have these ideas of how we want God to show up. And, and tongues of fire and drunken behavior and the sound of a rushing wind is not it. That's not where we would choose for God. It, it looks foolish. It doesn't make sense to the natural mind. It doesn't make sense to the natural mind that God would choose tongues, uh, unknown language to be the, the mechanism. But what we can miss in the moment is that God has showed up, that it, it's a heavenly language. It's the work of God. It's so precious. It's so precious and so powerful. And if we're not careful, we, can, we, we, we judge it. We judge how people sound, what they look like, all of these things. And it's so, so precious. It's the, it's the supernatural work of the Lord in our life. And, it, and it's, it's God himself praying through us. It's God himself working through us. And here you have a bunch of, you know, misfits in the upper room. You know, they're, they're all a bunch of people that they sold out Jesus. They all ran. You know, they're not, the, they're not the cream of the crop. They're not the type A's that you want on your team. And Jesus chose them and said, wait in the upper room. And these are the ones that, that received such a precious promise. And he's still pouring out this precious promise on us today. And so God takes these people... And, and they go from being narrow-minded, self-centered. Come on now. They, cut, they, they go from narrow-minded, self-centered people who are hiding out for their lives to people who are turning the world upside down. That is a supernatural work. That's the power of praying in the Spirit. He, he comes and fills us with power, fills us with boldness, and we step into this heavenly, divine communication, and all of a sudden we see things that we've never seen before. We go from seeing what's right in front of us to now seeing the horizon of possibilities in the Lord. I was just thinking of the word intervene and how he intervenes for us, which to me, I see a picture of him stepping in front of us where, like you were saying, it's not of our natural self. You know, we are no longer seen as our natural self. He steps in front of us um, and he intervenes for us. He steps in and it's no longer of our natural self. I think of like a car crash too, like if, if you've ever heard somebody say, um, Man, somebody must have been there and saved me from that. Well, it's somebody intervening there for you, and you're no longer, like, not of your own thoughts. Yep, that's right. He comes in, and, and he, he, as we yield to him and are baptized in the Holy Ghost, he, he's our advocate. He steps in. He steps on the scene for you and I and begins to take over. Like Pastor said, these were the misfits. These weren't the world changers that you and I would think of today, but God. You know, here we had Paul as Saul who was killing Christians, and yet in Revelation he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. You know, how, how do people go from being mis misfits 
to how, you know, how, to John, how, to John being in the Spirit of the Lord's Day, to Saul becoming Paul and writing most of the New Testament, you know, Paul said, I pray in the Spirit more than all of you. <laughs> and, and as I'm thinking about it, you know, you and I, we sit here and we have an expectation of what church might look like, of what ministries might look like. These guys had no clue. Because they were the first church. They, they, Christ had just ascended into heaven, and they had to figure things out on their own. And so why, why else would Paul be praying in the Holy Ghost all day, every day? He didn't know what he was doing. You know, he had no clue. How, how was he supposed to respond to the people? Well, guess what? We find ourselves in the same situation across the globe today. We're in a global pandemic. How do we respond? We don't know. The good thing is we know the one who does. So we pray in the Holy Ghost. We, we pray and allow his anointing to come and his mind to come to take over who we are that we too could be world changers. It is the end of days. It is the last coming. He, it's, it's time for Christ's church to rise up in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the pandemic and the fear of the world. And there's no way we could do it without the Spirit of God. There is no... Um, Plant. Look, all of the world has, all the leaders of the world have come together with plans, big and small, all across the world. I'm going to use the world and not America so you don't know any of my opinions. I don't have any. I hide in Christ. But all these people have all these plans they've come up with, and none of them have effectively changed very much. But the plans of God, they will always prevail. So I don't want to come up with some good scheme. I don't want to come up with some good agenda. I want the very heart and mind of God for my family, for my church, for my city, and for the world. And so just like Paul said, I pray in the Spirit more than all of you. Let us, let today's church be found hidden in Him, abiding in Him, praying His perfect will, allowing the anointing to be released through our lives. Who knows? Who knows what the next great revival will look like as you and I find ourselves in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. I love that you brought up Paul saying that, you know, I pray in the Spirit more than all of you. And, and a lot of times, even as you were saying it today, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, hey, you haven't ever listened to that verse that way. And, and usually, I know personally, I think of that as Paul kind of chastising them and saying, hey, like, you know, guys, you're not praying in the spirit enough. I pray more than you guys do, um, so get with it. But really what Paul is saying is I pray in the spirit, like you said, because I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm getting arrested. I'm being thrown in jail. My ship is wrecking. Literally anything that could go wrong is going wrong. So what do I do? I pray in the spirit. And it wasn't Paul saying, I'm so holy or I'm so mighty, look at me. It was him saying, everything is falling apart but God. I pray in the spirit more than you because life makes it necessary. I pray in the spirit because everything around me is going crazy. And the only way to center, the only way to focus, the only way to stay in the anointing and keep that ministry going is to pray in the spirit and keep moving forward in the spirit because in ourselves, in the natural, it just doesn't work. 
Yeah, you know. that's good. That's good. You know, as everybody was sharing, I was Heather said something about, you know, our agenda. You know, we, we have our agendas that we want to try to maintain, but but we really need the Spirit's agenda. You know, right. we don't we don't know what we're doing. And Acts fifteen, you know, the the leaders, the apostles and, and all of the disciples of Christ were in a predicament. You know, they they had never seen um, the outpouring on the Gentiles like they were experiencing at that time. You know, Paul and Barnabas and their ministry, of course, they had Peter's ministry. They had seen some of it, but now they were really seeing, you know, and Paul and Barnabas' ministry was exploding. And they didn't know how to handle these Jews, uh, didn't know how to handle all these Gentiles getting baptized in the Holy Spirit and experiencing what they had, at, to that point, had really only seen happen, you know, on in the Jewish uh, community. And so, you know, they assembled together. Of course, James, the brother of Jesus, prophesies over concerning what's happening. Acts 15 is a great chapter to read. But I love what, what is said when they're trying to figure out, what do we do? <laughs> you know, the question really was, how do we handle this? Okay, so God, God's moving. This is obviously, you know, Paul and Barnabas have shared the testimony of, of the work of God. It's the same thing. What, what they're telling us is the same thing Scripture tells us. It's the same thing that we experienced. You know, everything, you know, so it is, it is God, but, but how do we handle it? <laughs> you know, and, and maybe... Maybe you're in that same boat. And I, I love what Acts 15, 28 says. It's, it says that it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so uh, according to the testimony that they had, according to what God had done in them and what God had spoken to them, and according to what the Holy Spirit was working, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit to send you this letter. And so they gave the Gentiles some instruction on, on how to live in the Spirit, how to fulfill and to steward what God was doing in them. And that's, that's really what God, you know, what we're talking about here is, is allowing the Holy Spirit to come to fill your life, pray in the Spirit, and, and to walk in the Spirit. And as you do that, you know, He'll speak to you concerning how to live your life. He opens up the door to this, the supernatural, the world of God, and, and all of a sudden it will seem good to you and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You won't be in conflict, you know. There's not this, this conflict between what your flesh wants to do, what my spirit wants to do, where I want to, all of a sudden they come into agreement because you're walking in the spirit. It's so precious, so powerful. You know, as we go on, um, you know, praying in tongues is a sign to the unbeliever. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says, in the law it is written by men of strange tongues and by the lips of strangers, I will speak to this people and even so they will not listen to me, says the Lord. 1 Corinthians 14.22 says, So then tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. Prophecy is a sign, not to unbelievers, but those who believe. And so we get this backwards a lot. You know, we, we, you know, in churches, we get really scary, you know, ideas about praying in tongues with unbelievers. Well, the, the Bible clearly talks about that tongues is a sign to the unbelievers. It doesn't mean that our whole service is praying in tongues. It doesn't mean that, that all that we do is pray in tongues because, of course, there, there's, no, there's no edification if you understand 
under, don't understand. You know, we edify ourselves by praying in the Spirit, but there's no corporate edification if all we do is pray in, the tongue, pray in tongues when we get together. But Paul did not discount praying in tongues corporately either. He said that this is a sign to the unbeliever, so we don't shut it down. We don't not do it because unbelievers are in the room. It's a sign to them. And so we, we pray in the Spirit when we come together. We make room. At celebration, we make room for praying in the Spirit. We encourage it. Our worship team prays in the Spirit together. We sing in the Spirit together. As a church, we pray in the Spirit together. It's not all we do when we get together, but we also prophesy. We lay hands on the sick. We preach the Word. We do, we do all of it. You know, so this isn't, you know, the Bible, this isn't, a, this isn't a, a buffet where you go and you pick and choose what you want out of the New Testament, and that's what you put into your service. It's, this, this, it's the entirety of the gospel. You have all of it in, you, in your service. You have all of it in your church. You have all of it in your life. This, it's not just, you know, I'll pick what I want when I want it. It's, it's all available, you know. You can have all of it. And so, you know, is it wrong for a church to not pray in the Spirit and all of those things? No, I don't think it's, you know, I, all, I, all I know for me is I want the whole gospel. Yeah. You know, I want all of it. You know, I'm not going to sit in judgment of a church that does or doesn't this, that, or the other. Let, they, I don't have time to figure out what another church is doing or not doing. I don't, I don't have time to sit and inspect somebody else's spiritual fruit. I don't have time to sit and look and judge what somebody else is doing or not doing. I, I've got, I'm about too great a work, Nehemiah said. I've got my hands about the plow, and God is pouring... I, I need to pray in tongues for me. <laughs> I need to pray in the spirit more for me. You know, so for as as for me in this house, as for me in Celebration Church, we're a place of the spirit. And, and we are going to pray in tongues, and we are going to see signs and wonders, and we are going to see the lost saved. We are going to see the whole gospel. I, I want all of it. Amen. Preach it, honey. So in 1 Corinthians 14, 21, I just want to read the scriptures for you. In the law, it is written, by men of strange tongues and by the lips of strangers, I will speak to this people. And even so, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So then tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is a sign, not to unbelievers, but those who believe. And then again, in Acts 2, 7, it says that then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And so I just want to encourage us as the body of Christ, as, as Pentecostals, um, don't be ashamed of the gift of God within you. You know, the people who don't know now, don't you get offended. I, could, I know I'm stepping on toes in your own living room, but you know Mama Bear loves you. People who have no clue about the Holy Spirit, who have never experienced him, who have no uh, experiential knowledge through scripture and practice, are preaching and teaching about stuff that they don't know about. Right. And so you can't take that as the gospel. They don't know. And so if you've experienced it, Yes, it is amazing. Yes, it is, it, it is off the charts. It is not something that we shelter and hide away and be shameful right, of. Yeah, right. He says, if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you. Yeah. But if you don't, 
And so we, in, in and of itself, when the gift of God comes upon you, we're not to be ashamed, whether it's the gift of salvation or the gift of tongues or, or the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It is, it is Jesus. It is the Godhead. And so we are going to pray in tongues and allow people to look upon and be amazed and marveled and say, I don't know about that, but I see God. You know, I can remember when we first came here and there was prayer and prophecy and laying hands and God's moving and the children of celebration who had grown up without knowing the Holy Spirit were in the sanctuary. And I can remember their eyes were this big, you know, they're looking on. And um, I walk over and said, hey, do y'all understand what's happening? No. So this is the Holy Spirit. We know. So are you scared? Do you have any questions? And they're like, no, but we just want to sit here. And so they would sit and watch, you know, big eyes, watch. But it, they began to get to know and understand yeah. the Holy Spirit by being present, yeah. by us not hiding him in a room. Yeah. And I thank yeah. God for that because today in the middle of pandemic world, our children yeah. have the very presence of God. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is with our children and our youth because we presented yeah. him to them. Yeah. We introduced them to him. And so we're not to hide him in a corner, but we're to let our light shine before for men. And like pastor said, that's the full gospel. It's the word of God. It's the spirit of God. It's the anointing of God released from our lives. We bring him everywhere we go. I I will never forget the very first time that I ever heard it. Um, I was in youth group. We were just 16 years old. He was bringing me to youth group and he was experiencing some health issues at the time. So the whole youth group gathered around him and was praying for him. And I had never, I'd maybe have heard the word of the Holy Spirit, but didn't know him as a person. Um, I was raised a very conservative Catholic. It wasn't something that you talked about. Never heard it, never heard of speaking in tongues ever. But one of my, our friends in the youth group started praying in tongues over him. And I thought, that's weird. <laughs> I don't know what this is, but I understand it to be God. Like, you could feel that. And so that started my journey of, of you know, a few weeks later, I think I was slain in the spirit, baptized in the Holy Ghost at 16 years old. And I'll never forget that. And that started, like, I would not be the person that I am today had I not heard that. So if they had sheltered me from that, where would I be today? Yeah, that's good. Um, Thanks, Krista. That's good. Good stuff. You know, the, (laughs) the Holy Spirit is, is, is God. You know, and, and to say, well, you know, I'm ashamed or to put him in a closet, you know, or in the back room. We don't want that. You know, the Holy Spirit is present with us today to continue the, the ministry, the work of Jesus. And so praying in the Spirit, the walking in the power and the person of the Holy Spirit is, is walking in the ministry of Jesus. You know, I, I want to just say this about, you know... Um, the Holy Spirit is a sign to the unbelievers. Yeah. Uh, I want to jump back on that real quick before we move on. I want you to think about the day of Pentecost. This was this was the first this was the the first day anybody had heard anybody pray in the Spirit. I mean, it was the first of the first, right? right. You know, we remember like Kristen. You know, we remember the, our first experience. You know, wherever that was, but but this was the first of the first. Like nobody else had heard it, and. 
And you know what? They weren't turned off by it. Right. You know, they questioned it. It caused them to question. It caused the, it was a sign and it was a wonder. And it was, ex, it was, it did exactly what God intended it to do. Shocking. Right. That God would do something and it would bring about the results that he intended it for. And that was to cause people to ask questions. Yeah. You know, sometimes, sometimes God does things not, not on the great grand display of a, of a public stage defining everything for us. Sometimes God does things in obscurity. Sometimes God doesn't put it out on the, on the stage and, and cast the crew and everything so perfectly that we can sit back and watch the story of God unfold perfectly. Sometimes he does it in obscurity with little bits here and there and, and just a little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit there. And that's, that's a little bit of what praying in tongues is. It's just a little bit here and a little bit there, a sign here, a sign there. He's revealing himself just a little bit here. You know, if God revealed himself in, in all of his grandeur at once, I, th- I you know, we would just be, you know, <laughs> we're good. You know, it would fall as dead. There we go. We're good. You know, we, we just barely handle a little bit of his presence of her, you know. And, you know, just can you imagine, you know. And so, he again, tongues just a little bit there, a little bit there. And, and on the day of Pentecost, that's what happened. It was the first of the first, first to pray in tongues, first to see it. But you know what happened? 3,000 were born again. Signed to the unbeliever. So we shouldn't back away and just say, well... It was a sign, 3,000. You say, well, pastor, there was preaching. Yeah, there was preaching. Yeah, the Holy Spirit came. You know what happened? The Holy Spirit came upon those, those men and women in the upper room, and they began to pray in tongues. And as they prayed in the Spirit, the, the anointing came upon Peter, and Peter stood up and he preached. It brought them together in unity, and he, he stood up and he preached. Yeah. And, you know, that was a, you know, there was no fighting over who was going to preach. The Spirit of God, again, directed the whole thing, and Peter stands up, and he preaches, and 3,000 were born again. And that's, that's that's awesome. You know, so that is the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're talking about. Right. Praying in tongues right. set the atmosphere for that. And it was out of that moment that they began to preach. Right. You know, I, I think we've lost the art. You know, I, I'm not going to stay on this long. But I think one of the things that we've lost the art in in modern church is the art of spon- spontaneity. We've got everything so programmed. I mean, we've got countdown clocks, and we've got schedules, and we know that at five, five after, the lights do this, and the thing, I mean, there's programs and software now that you, you literally, you just press play on the software, and the whole service is run by a software. I mean, I'm not joking. I mean, some of you may know about this, others may not, but it's it literally, and I, listen, I'm all for doing things professionally and, and getting things, I'm not against that. But, but we've become so programmed in church, I think most, most people have lost the suddenly and that spontaneity. I, I thank God I go to a church where I'm not sure what's going to happen. You know, I, I, I know we have our service order. Don't get me wrong. We know we have order. But we also, in that order, have place for God to do whatever He wants. He can take the order like the governor did this week in Michigan or wherever it was and tear up the order, uh, the, the order, you know, the pastor tore up the order of the governor, whatever. You know, God can take the service order and tear it up if He wants to. I don't care. Um, it, it's, it's, his, it's His church in the first place. 
You know, the problem is it's the first church of pastor's name and in most situations and not the first church of God. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, it's, it's, not, it's not really God's house. It's whoever is pastoring the church's house. And, and that's unfortunate. And so we've lost the art, I, I think, sometimes of spontaneity because we get so programmed. But if you look at the New Testament church and all these times they're standing up and preaching, it's, it's in response to what God's doing in the moment. Right. Now, I'm not saying every sermon needs to be a spontaneous sermon. Don't get me wrong. Don't send me ugly letters or emails or whatever. Just comment ugly things. I'm not saying every sermon has to be a spont- spontaneous sermon. But I think that pastors need to get back to relying on the Holy Ghost, depending on the power of the Spirit of God, and just let God be God. And, yeah. and you know... I look back, I think back to, you know, the first couple of years we were here in Ohio, and and I got to tell you, most of the sermons I preached were spontaneous message because God God showed up in, yeah. in, in a powerful way, yeah. and, and the people didn't didn't fully understand biblically what was happening. They, they knew they were experiencing God, but didn't have the biblical truth to understand what it was that they were experiencing. And so a lot of times it was saying, this is what God's doing and, and expounding on it, unpacking what scripture said about what was happening in the moment. And listen, pastor, that is pastoring. Yeah. Let me say, that is what shepherding is all about. It's telling people yeah who God is, what they're experiencing, how it lines up with the Word of God, or if it doesn't. Yeah. You know, you say, well, I'm, I'm nervous about, you know, things getting weird. You know, th- people might get weird and, and uh, you know, weird things might happen. And, hey, listen, <laughs> tell me something that people haven't gotten <laughs> weird with. I mean, goodness gracious. Tell me something that there is a doctrine and a salvation itself that people haven't gotten weird with. That's why God called you to pastor, pastor. That's why God called you to shepherd. He didn't call you to squelch or to stop. He called you to shepherd and direct and to bring counsel and wisdom. My job is not to stop the work of God. It's to guide and to facilitate what God's doing. My job's not to tell God what he's going to do, when he's going to do it. My job's to say, God, what are you going to do? When are you going to do it? And help me be ready for when it happens. You know, it's shocking. You know, when I ask the Lord these things, he's gracious to tell me, not all the time, but most of the time, he's gracious to tell me, this is really what I want to do in your service today. This is what I want to do in the house today. And, and you know, if I tune in by faith, most of the time, I already know what's going to happen in the service before I walk into it, not to direct it, but, but so God's prepared me so I can step into it and I can help lead it and facilitate it as the pastor. Shocking, I know. But God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing, and that's how that's how we're that makes pastoring exciting. If you're bored, I don't know if there's a pastor even watching this thing today. They've probably tuned me out. But but if you're if you're bored pastoring, you need to tune into the Holy Ghost. I am never bored. 
I, it is not boring. All these pastors saying they're bored and they can't wait to get back with their church and they don't know what to do. Oh my goodness. I don't know what church you pastor in. I don't know what ministry you are in. Because I, my goodness, it is not boring right now. It is the most active time. I'm, I mean, my goodness. There are people jumping in the boat right now. Miracles, signs, and wonders are happening. Provision is happening. I'm going to have to give this mic over to my wife because I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> Scripture tells us, I want to continue on speaking to pastors, speaking to leaders, speaking to the church. Scripture tells us that true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. And so, pastors, you don't have to give up the word for the spirit. Yes. And you don't have to give up the spirit for the world. Yes. Word. I'm talking to some of you that are a little bit off in left field now. We're going to go both sides. You don't have to give one up for the other. They both are important, and they both are necessary. And when they kiss, explosions happen. So we, you know, Bible colleges today don't all teach his presence. You know, it, it, we don't need to learn any more self-help programs, how to build your church, how to have great worship services. We need Bible colleges that teach the Word of God and meet. Not for head knowledge, not so I can know more than somebody else, but for actual revelation that they, we meet Jesus in those pages. We study and we know the, the, the meaning of the Word, but we have revelation. We find Christ in the pages. And just as important as spending time in the Word, studying and get to know Him, it is just as important that we spend time in His presence, that we spend time striving to enter into the rest of God, to enter into His presence, to get to know the Holy Spirit in the most intimate of ways, to allow Him to take over us, to flow in, in, in that. The reason pastor can preach spontaneously is not because, look, he studies. Trust me, we study we prepare. He usually has like 20 pages of notes ready to go. But having the Word of God in you, knowing the Word, having it ingrained in you, and walking and abiding in the Spirit is the perfect setup that allows you to walk in a place of the Spirit and trust that when He moves, when He shifts directions, you have the solid Word of God. You have meat to give to the people, not just some fluff or I feel or, hey, let's talk about, but some genuine steak, meat of the Word of God. Amen, amen. So as we wrap up today, this has been good. I hope that you're enjoying this. I know I am. I'm, I'm feasting while we're, while we're sharing and serving today. I'm eating while we serve. But um, Jesus, you know, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is the ministry of Jesus. Yeah. You know, they're not in competition. They're not at odds. Yeah. Jesus and the ministry of the Holy Spirit are the same. And the Holy Spirit is continuing the ministry of Jesus. So let me give you some scriptures on this. In Acts 2.33, Peter, as he's preaching, he said, Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. So this is Peter saying that what, what's happening on the day of Pentecost, this is the ministry of Jesus. He is pouring out the Holy Spirit on us right now. This is what's happening. And so he's doing the same today. Jesus is still pouring out the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1-4, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait 
for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. So Jesus had taught them about the promise of the Father. Actually, in Luke 24, 49, Jesus had said, behold, I send the promise of my Father to wait in the city of Jerusalem. So he said, it's again echoed, Luke echo, echoes it again in Acts, that he commanded them not to leave, but to wait for the promise of the Father, because you are going to be endued with or clothed with power from on high. So Jesus said emphatically multiple times before he left, don't leave Jerusalem. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to be clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit. And this was subsequent to what happened in John 19. John 19, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit for regeneration. But then he continues on to say, don't leave Jerusalem. What happened in John 19 is good, but it's not enough. Continue on into Acts 2. So in John 14, 16, he said, I'll pray and, I, and he will give us another helper, Allos Paracletos. We've talked about that. In John 14, 12, most assuredly I say to you that he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do greater works because I go to my Father. How do those greater happen? It's the, it's the promise. What is it? It's the promise of the Father. The essence of the greater is wrapped up in the promise of the Father and the purpose of the promise is for evangelism. It's all connected. So the greater, you know, everybody's talking about greater works these days. And well, what are the greater works? What are we going to do? Well, if you take a look at the day of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost is the example of the greater works. It's the, it's the outpouring of the spirit, the promise of the father that then, that then manifest itself into evangelism, into soul winning 3000 in one moment were born again. That, that was greater than anything that they had experienced to that point and continues today. So I hope that you've been blessed by today's teaching. We've had a great time today in the word of the Lord. This, this is wrapping up. This is the last day that we're going to, on a Sunday, sit like this. But I've got good news for you. Starting in June, so those of you that have endured with us to the end, get this special announcement. That And starting in June, on Wednesday nights, we're doing this same kind of broadcast on Wednesday nights in June, since we're only doing Sunday morning services at 10 a.m. In, in person. We are now going to do Wednesday night midweek refresh virtually at 7 o'clock, so we'll be broadcasting live just like this on Wednesday nights uh, from our Facebook Live and all the other things that we're going to go live with here very soon. Uh, but on Wednesday nights, we're going to do Bible study together like this. So if you've enjoyed this, this setup, we're going to continue it on Wednesday nights. Sunday mornings, we'll go back to preaching and, and the service, what, what traditional service format looks like. So we're going to receive communion together. Uh, I love always wrapping up our services with communion. We're going to figure this out together going forward, what this looks like so we can continue to do communion together Um I know it all looks different these days, so um, thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your broken body. Jesus, thank you that by this broken body we have healing, we have peace, we have shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. Lord, we receive he I receive healed. I am healed. I have peace by, by receiving your promise that came 
through Calvary. I am healed. I have peace. I have peace with man. I have peace with God. I walk in peace. Everything is whole. Everything is in order. Everything has its place. I have peace with God. I am in relationship with you because of this broken body. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your broken body. Let's eat. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you for your blood that was poured out for me. This blood seals my covenant. I am a child of God because of this blood. I am joint heirs with you because of this blood. There's a place for me at the table of the Lord because of this blood. This blood makes a way. Thank you, Jesus. This blood brings me joy. This blood brings me into the delight of God. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for the, for the blood that was shed, that was poured out for me for the redemption of sin and the promise of the Father. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Whoo, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. God bless you. 1 p.m. is the children's service with Pastor Angie. Have a great Memorial Day weekend.